This episode is brought to you by MDC Strategy. By the Hood has partnered with several other educators and investors to create MDC Strategy. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme or fake internet gurus selling you dreams of wealth. This is a community of educators and investors who believe in the power of community and shared ideas. We share information about real estate, long-term stock investing, precious metals, options trading, cryptocurrency, and much more. For more information, visit mdcstrategy.com. This is not investment advice. It's for educational and informational purposes only. Your thoughts become your actions, and then your actions become who you are, right? So behavior is the determinant of everything, right? So you, you, you put three people, group in the same house, experience the exact same things, and you'll get three different people, and it's because of the way they reacted behaviorally to, to those uh, those stimuli, right? Everything is a stimuli, and then everything is a response to their stimuli, right? What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast or webcast, because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host, as always. My name is Jimmy, and as we start off every show, that is with gratitude, want to say thank you to all the members from MDC Strategy. That is our membership group. Shout out to all the students from By the Hood University, as well as the youth from the By the Hood Ownership Camp. We appreciate all you guys for the support and energy you give our way. But I got my brother, Corey McCord. What's up, good brother? It's really good, Jim, man. Every day above ground is a good day, so I'm not going to complain about much. Yeah, man. Um, You know, just want to do another quick podcast, get on and talk with you about some issues, uh, you know, as our new podcast is uh, set up. We come on and we talk about issues pertaining to finance, black wealth, and then everything in between. Um, this specific uh, topic I want to talk about is interesting, right? So it comes from an article, and I'm always, I read articles every day. So that's why a lot of our podcasts you guys will see will come from different articles and us giving our opinion on things that we find in the various articles. But um, make sure you leave us feedback, though, because we do get feedback from a lot of, a lot of the um, – People that listen to audio podcasts be saying they send us feedback, let us know what they think about the various topics. Some topics resonate more than others, but I'm anxious to see what you guys think about this. Um, and this is somewhat about the fire movement, but not really necessarily specifically about the fire movement. With that being said, Core, let's get it popping. Let me start with this article here. And by the way, um, for those that are watching the video on YouTube or Facebook. And if you are watching on YouTube or Facebook, please make sure you subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to the audio, I'll read a lot of the article to you so you have an idea of what it is we're talking about. But you can also subscribe to our YouTube or Facebook whenever you get a chance. Um, we're trying to get our YouTube channel popping. So please make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. But with that being said, this is an um, article from Fortune Magazine written by Chloe Berger. It uh, came out in June, June 25th. You know, we're now at the end of July, but... uh. I still thought it was interesting, right? So this is about a couple who retired with $4.3 million, and they did so by practicing the FIRE lifestyle. Um, and for those who don't know what the FIRE lifestyle is, financially independent, retire early. There's a whole documentary. It's a lifestyle. You can Google it, go to YouTube, find information about it. So there's a lot about the FIRE lifestyle. But what I found interesting about this specific article is they've hit $4.3 million. And what it says is, we don't want to just keep throwing money on the pile and keep being cheap. So this is kind of about balance, but even more than that, it's about the psychology of money, right? So um, 
I'll read a little bit. It says, pinching pennies can get tiring after a while, just asked Mindy and Carl, early 50-something couple who joined the FIRE movement six years ago and now $4.3 million saved. Um, and this is they got this from part of a podcast with Ramit uh, Sefti, who has um, I'll Teach You to Be Rich. Is a uh, He has a show on Netflix, but he also wrote the book. Um, and they were on his podcast, and they were having this conversation. But now, quoting the couple, Mindy says, we don't want to just keep throwing money on the pile and keep being cheap. I do look at everything based on how much it costs, and I don't need to. I shouldn't. So she and Carl recalled a time when they were out to breakfast and their daughter brought the most expensive item on the menu, which was 20 bucks, resulting in a $99 bill with a tip. Not a big dent. They have millions, remember, but something that amounted to a lot of financial anxiety for them nonetheless. So stop right here reading the article. Um, the, the bottom line is they've been able to achieve what most people are not able to achieve in terms of becoming millionaires, retiring and building up a nest egg. But now um, that frugality is, is weighing on them to the point where it's causing financial anxiety and it's becoming a problem. Um, so now going back to the article, um, their attitude toward money is a byproduct of what Carl says is a scarcity mentality he developed growing up, as well as the years they've spent saving to become financially independent, a lifestyle that typically involves intense budgeting to eliminate debt and prioritize savings. Um, so <laughs> they give an example of a six-figure uh, Manhattan lawyer who lived off rice and beans just so he could retire early. That's a bit extreme, but this is what some people in the movement do. Mindy and Carl focused on flipping real estate to get where they are today, help them sock away $10,000 in savings, accumulate $925,000 in assets, and earn $4.2 million in investments. They also have debt, which is about nine hundred dollars in real estate, but they've achieved financial independence. But they also feel paralyzed with fear of spending money they worked so hard to save. And here's the last part I'll read from the article. It says, we've identified that we probably live suboptimally, right? If something truly makes you happy, you should spend money on it, all right? And that's, that actually comes from a lot of what he teaches, right? So I want to talk about that, too. Um, shout out to um, to uh, Ramit Sefti and his whole movement of uh, Teach You to Be Rich because I have read the book and I have watched the Netflix series. And one of the things that he talks about in his strategy is finding things that are making you happy and spending money there, right? Um but this is just an interesting conversation about financial anxiety. Because a lot of times when we talk about financial anxiety core, we talk about it from the standpoint of those that don't have, right? We don't, we really have this conversation with those that have been able to save and accumulate and they still have that financial, it's akin to a, <laughs> I hate to use this analogy, but it's true though. I've seen it where people lose weight, but they still, their, their mentality, they still have that mentality of being a bigger person and, it weighs on them. They still have that anxiety. So we're reading this article. I know you read the article. What did you think about their specific situation and the idea of financial anxiety from somebody who has millions? Um, I get it. I just don't get it. Like, so I get it from the standpoint of it's hard because you build those habits, right? Mm -hmm. Fire lifestyle is a habit. It's a lifestyle, literally. So I get that part. You know, being into the being into a psychological field, I get the part where it's hard to break those habits. What I don't get is um <clears throat> if you are so unhappy, 
then just like my thing is you're not doing away with your budget. Just change it. Like the way we teach budgeting mm-hmm. is to just put it in your budget. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not because your budget is not there to restrict you or constrict you. It's there so that you know what's going in and what's coming out. So my thing is, instead of saving 40% of everything, save 25%. So, And then you can spend whatever you have within that, within those constraints as loosely as you want to. So I've, I've studied the fire movement, right, because I, I find it interesting. First of all, I want to also shout out our brother Don Johnson, because um, Don has a, a fire group for black folks on Facebook. It's like 1,500 people in there. They're all people that look like us who are practicing fire. So, and, and I, I love being in there, just getting information and seeing how people think. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's one of my favorite groups. Uh, listen, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm not against the fire movement because yeah, I, like I like the discipline. But let me say this, though. There are extremes of this because I've read books on people that practice fire. Um, I've watched a documentary and I've watched a lot of YouTube videos. There was a book I read. It's called The Frugal Woods. You guys can go look that up if you want to. We always talk about books, but it's called The Frugal Woods. And it was about a couple that practiced the fire movement and was able to retire early. And some of the habits and things they did, it's like, bro, I would never live that way. They were like reusing paper towels. And like they took being frugal to the extreme, where it's not even frugal anymore. They call themselves the frugal woods. I, I, I call them something else. But it goes beyond that. Now, again, lifestyle design is a real thing. So yeah. that's, that's how you want to be. That's how you want to be. My thing is, if they're comfortable in it, God bless them. Yo, it made me uncomfortable reading it. And they wrote a book about it, too. So you can look it up. It's called The Frugal Woods. Um, but that's the extreme. But what I like about fire is that the more I study it, the more and more I study it. And um, it's interesting because I'm going to FinCon this year. So uh, I'll be in FinCon. And I know it's a lot of fire folks there. So I like to pick their brain. But they're different versions of fire. You got this extreme thing, financially dependent retire. But some people never want to retire because they enjoy what they do. Right? So there's like slow fire. Um, there's there's all different types of fire that exist now, but what they're talking about in this specific article is that scarcity mentality that you start to have when you when you're just focused on the end goal, and now you don't know how to cut it off. You just don't know how to cut it off. You don't even know how to live. And now just and that that's crazy to say because one of the things that we talk about often is happiness. And imagine having 4.3 million, but you're mentally you've put yourself in a position where you just like he said they live suboptimally, they're not happy. So again, that's back to what I was saying. Like if you for me, it's about you know just rearranging your budget, right? You don't have to not be fired, you just have to just rearrange your budget so that you can. Because the budget is the basis, right? You still mm-hmm. need the budget because you you know you don't want to be out here like most people who don't have a budget at all. Um, you just have to rearrange the budget you have to open up some dollars to do whatever you want to do, right? And then you can spend as frugally as you want within those dollars, right? So, if, if say you were saving, you know they had ten thousand dollars saved, and they got all these assets or whatever. Instead of saving a thousand dollars a month, they save seven hundred dollars a month or eight hundred dollars a month and free up, you know, what I mean, another 30 40 percent for them to spend. Yeah, now you still you still can do your, your fire thing, you still not denting your legacy, and you opened up whatever you want, you know, 
whatever. And if it's not something you want to do that month, you still opened up that money to do it in the following month. Or you see what I'm saying? Like, so for me, so I get what you're saying, but I, I, I guess like from reading the article and I actually listened to the podcast too. And so I got a little bit more information, but from, from listening to it, it's not that they don't know what to do. That is that- very hard to do it. Yeah, it's like it's like telling someone it's like that, knowing someone knowing how to shoot a free throw, but actually having to go to the free throw line. It's like telling someone it's like telling someone addicted to drugs, like yo, just stop. That that wing, wing yourself off those drugs. Yeah, it, it, yeah. So that that part though doesn't work. But I think that's one of the more interesting things about finance is behavioral see, finance. Yeah, behavior. Well, I mean, behavior is the determiner for everything. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like people. When you say when you say that everything, what do you mean everything? And explain that. So behavior is determinant of of everything, right? So what happens is is that things happen, and then how you react to those things is how is what happens, right? So your your thoughts become your actions, and then your actions become who you are, right? So behavior is the determinant of everything, right? So you 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 put three people group in the same house experience the exact same things and you'll get three different people and it's because of the way they reacted behaviorally to to those uh, those stimuli right everything is a stimuli and then everything is a response to that stimuli right so um behavior is the the root cause for every single thing right reaction to stimuli mm-hmm. so you have to for me um Either you the stimuli can make you do. See, I, I I've literally written a book about this, which I have not published. But um, you 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 have to uh, create an environment where you, if you want to change habits, you got to change environment, mm-hmm. right? And so you got to change the environment that you're in. Um, and it's something in that environment that's triggering them, that's now not allowing them to to not move or move off that lifestyle at the because my thing is there's different um there's different stages of that lifestyle right there's there's the height of that lifestyle where you're 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 actually you know beginning the process and you're into it hardcore and now they've reached the, the, the end point of that process where they've achieved everything that where they wanted to achieve and now they don't know how to come back down the ladder it's like they climbed up the ladder and then they don't know how to come back down the ladder or they looking down while they climbing the ladder and they're scared to come back down and so what I, what I'm saying is there's a middle ground, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a there's a way for them to keep that that um keep the habits without you know feeling like they don't have the the emotional wherewithal to 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 totally um spend freely. Um so um your emotions drive everything. Like most people's problem with money is emotional, it's not that they can't like most people know they emotionally can't function well enough to do what they're supposed to do yeah discipline right? discipline is everything i, I think that but, when but you discipline, talk, you talk about- is, discipline is an emotion that's what most people won't tell you that discipline is an emotion right discipline is the emotion of getting over your emotions like no matter what's going on in my life and in my lifestyle i'm going to get up and do it anyway and that's that's called emotional control you see what i'm saying so what most people won't tell you that it, again I'm not going to get into this because I'm not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist and I'm not a social worker. But like I said, I got 20 plus years of experience with modifying behavior and 
And what I'll tell you about modifying behavior is that most people don't even recognize that it's an emotion that's controlling whatever they're doing. No, and I appreciate that breakdown because and I'm gonna say this too. Um, this is not <laughs> medical advice, nor is it financial medical advice. Or financial <laughs> advice. We just have I, I, I gave you that. <laughs> We're just having a conversation though, but I appreciate that breakdown because um it, I think that when you start to talk about finance, one of the things that I've learned in my you know 25 plus years working in the space and in various capacities is that it's probably 95% mental in some form, some shape or form and, and 5% strategy, because there's another book out there that I read a while ago. I, I don't um, even think it's that. I think it's 100% mental because you can use any strategy if you ready to go through the, go through the process. Not to play semantics. Literally any strategy. Semantics, but if it's, if it's, if it's any strategy. All kinds of weird strategies. No. Because but, they're but, willing to do whatever they got to do to get to where, wherever their endpoint is. All right, so what I'm saying is, if that's the case, it still can't be 100% then because you got to have some sort of strategy. Okay, 99, 99 and 1. I'm a data guy. You can't do that to me. Pause. But listen, though, um, (laughs) the reason I know that is because I read another book a while ago. It's called, uh, uh, um, it's about the index card. It's called the index card. Someone knows what I'm talking about. Um, Let me see. The index card, why personal finance doesn't have to be complicated. I just looked it up on my, um, my Kindle. While personal finance doesn't have to be complicated, the index card. And the the point of the author was, I could tell you everything you need to know about personal finance on an index card. And they wrote it on an index card. And they're saying, take this index card. This is all you ever have to know. And if you, But the part that's missing from that is the emotional control that it takes yeah. to the <laughs> on the index card. And, and, it's, and it's things on there such as like, you know, if you have a, a like in a retirement account at work, like, you know, max that out, get insurance. Like, it's just basic things. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that's all you really need to know. But the part that you can't get this amount on the index card is really the hard part, which is the mental part. And that mental part of finance is tricky because in this specific case that led to this conversation, they figured out mentally how to save. But now they didn't even figure out mentally how to live. And that's just an interesting thing to that's, think That's about. rough. That's, that's rough, rough, bro. That's rough, bro. Imagine four point three million, but your your brain, because again, it's a psychology. Your brain yeah. just allow you to enjoy it. Listen, man, I know a lot of miserable behind rich people. I know a lot of miserable rich people. That what you just said right there is so crazy. I just talked to a dude. This is an Asian brother, by the way. Um, and he owned over a hundred rental properties, right? So, and that was always his goal was to hit a hundred. He cracked a hundred, went past a hundred. Asian dude in Philly, and he was like, "Yo." I am miserable. I hate this. He said, I absolutely hate this. He said, I hate being a landlord. He said, people tell me to hire a property manager. He said, but now I got to manage them. He said, I absolutely hate this. And (laughs) it was like eye opening because everybody has these specific goals. They think in their head if I want to get to X amount of dollars and this amount of things. But the idea of happiness in between. So basically, this should be titled, what happens when you achieve your dream? What's next? You know what I mean? Because was basically what's happened is they've achieved their dream. Yeah. And now they don't, they're like, like, all right, we got where we were supposed to go. What next? Like they didn't fully flush it out. Like, all right, once we achieve what we achieve, like what do we do next after we've achieved what we set out to achieve? Right. And it's, that happens for a lot of people. It does. doesn't have anything to do with money. I just like, saw a post. I just saw a post on IG from uh, Ash Cash, who's been on our podcast before. And he was talking about, I think he said 2022 or 2021. Don't quote me because I don't know the exact year. He said whatever year it was was his best year in business. He made X amount of millions of dollars in that one year. 
and he said when it happened, he was damn near depressed. He said because he had achieved everything he wanted to well, achieve. He said that it was the feeling of in his head, once I do this, I'll be fine. He said, but then he did it, and then life was still the same way it was before he did it. And it, it started making him think about like, you know, what's his purpose or like what makes me happy because that didn't do it. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like wanting something, getting it. It's almost like you ever see um when you were a young boy or even your you know your old head or whatever, maybe a pair of sneaks or something that you want and you save for it and you get it and then you get it and it's like nothing in your life changed except yeah, you like yeah, you, know, you got whatever you wanted. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you why that really happens to me. Um, you don't want nothing. <laughs> no, it's not that I don't want nothing. That I'm ambitious it? as hell. Is that I, I know the difference between comfort and satisfaction, mm-hmm. right? I'm comfortable getting the things that I want, but I'm never satisfied, right? So I, you know, I got air conditioning, I got a nice house, I got my kids, my family, got enough money to do almost exactly whatever I want to do. I'm comfortable, but I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. Like I, there's always things for me to achieve for myself and my family in business, in life, with my children. And so I'm not satisfied, right? Yeah. I'm So there's a difference between being comfortable and satisfied. People say don't get comfortable. I say get as comfortable as you could possibly be. It's a difference between comfort and satisfaction, right? So I'm, I'm comfortable, but I'm not satisfied, right? And so the reason why I'm able to operate at a high level on a lot of things is because I am so comfortable. Right. I made my life to be where in the same. That's the same thing with a lot of the people um, that I know that are that are very successful. They made their life comfortable so that they could be um, as successful as they wanted to be. Um, but they're not satisfied with whatever their station and position is. And they're always working to do more. Right. So, so, I get right. So it's like with Warren Buffett. Right. Warren Buffett has X billions of dollars. But. His his goal his goal can never be satisfied, mm-hmm. which is to give give it all back. <laughs> yeah, you see what I'm saying? Like, so he has a goal that cannot be satisfied, right? So I for those people, I think their goals aren't big enough, right? For me, that's how I would perceive it. It's well, not. It might not necessarily be true, but I don't even know if it's a goal big enough. What he was talking about is like hitting your goal, right? But like the the bigger the bigger goal that is something that he doesn't desire. Like he doesn't never. He never does. He, he was. He doesn't want to. He wants yeah. to be. But my thing is. So I'm gonna me. give you an example, right? So for me, I don't struggle with this thing per se because something that my my grandmother used to tell me as a kid that you know, and rest in power to my grandma. Rest in power to your grandma. We always talk about how our grandmoms uh gave us the game, but she told me, um, you know, in life, um, there's always gonna be people that have more, and there's always people that have less. So learn to be happy with whatever it is that you whatever have. Whatever it is you have. <laughs> She used to always say that to me when I was younger and it resonates with me because once I realized that and I realized that I have enough, right? Not that I'm not ambitious the same way you are, but I'm satisfied with what I have. <laughs> and also I've learned to, and this comes from like studying minimalism, right? So I, I used to tell you all the time, like I'm a, a struggling minimalist, but I like reading about minimalism and everything because one of the tenets of minimalism is hold on to things that actually make you happy. So I joke with our friends all the time, like, yo, I don't care about clothes. I don't care about cars. I just like first class travel and I like gadgets. Right. So I'll, blow a bag. So, so I'll blow a bag on that because those are the things that make me happy. But again, I'm very conservative when it comes to other things. So I figured that out. 
What I, I I've changed with, the things that make me happy. Right? What I struggle with from a behavioral finance standpoint is a form of survivor's guilt. I do struggle with that, right? So like even even when, and shout out to everybody who's in our MDC group, right? So we 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 make money, we trade, we invest, we talk every day. Some days, like I'll get on the market, run a play, and make a couple grand, and really struggle with it. And I know that sounds absolutely insane for anybody listening, but the reason is, is because, you know, I'm outside. I talk to people. I have family. I have friends who don't understand that skill set or what have you and don't know just how fast it is to kind of like, you know, not necessarily make money, but just figure out how to extract value out of the world. Right. And also, I just, I just so that actually bothers me at times. Is a, a form. It's a kind of. It's, it's a form of survivor's remorse where it's like, I have knowledge, information, and ability that people I care about don't. And no matter how much I try to help them, they don't care to hear it either. So it's like, yeah, like, you know what I mean. So I, I actually I do struggle with that, right? And I struggle with it when I see as much poverty as I see um, in our in our communities. It, it bothers me. So I don't, I don't struggle with guilt. That's, that's <laughs> the I Listen, I respect you, bro. I'm just being honest. No, though. I'm being just saying, like being honest I'm with our audience. Not to, I don't. I've learned not to feel guilty. It's, I struggle with a lot of things, but guilt is not one of those things. Right? Yeah, so, I do struggle with a form of survivor's guilt because it's like I just I, I want everybody to get it. I want everybody to get to it. I know. So statistically I, I speaking, it's guilt, like for me, it's I I have a saying again that I got from my grandmother said if it can be fixed with action, then it's not a problem. Or mm, <laughs> it's not a problem. That just means it's whatever you're not taking the right actions, right? Mm-hmm. So anything that can be fixed with action is not actually a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I try to get active. Yeah, right? yeah. that's my thing, right? Yeah. So I don't have the the guilt anymore because if I'm taking the action and you're not taking the action, yeah, I'm re- for me personally, I don't feel any guilt. I don't feel mm-hmm. any guilt for anybody who does not take action. Like that's just how I feel. Yeah, well, I get it. I get it. Cause I, I mean, cause again, I'm on the other side of that. I actually do because sometimes I know people don't have the information, knowledge. They don't know. But what I'm saying to you is, once they have information, like so we do a lot of teaching, we do mm-hmm. a, a, a remarkable amount of teaching, and we mm-hmm. do a lot of teaching for free. Yep, Prime, most of it's for free. But yeah, ninety five percent or more of it is for free. Yes, and so I don't feel guilty. <laughs> like it's the reason I it's the reason I'm a teacher. Is the is the reason why I chose teaching as a profession. Like I wanted to get all the guilt out. Like I felt guilty about a lot of things. I chose teaching as a profession really as a way to cleanse my soul, right? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm giving you the information, if you don't take action on it, I'm relieved. I feel relieved of guilt. That is how my you know my, how my experience is set up for me. I mean, right. the thing because, is, it was because of that, I, my grandmother, my me and my grandmother was a, she had all the answers. Like, like I used to dream about my grandmother every single night mm-hmm. because she had all the answers. Like when I would go to her with a, with a problem, she literally had the answer. Like, mm-hmm. you ever had somebody in your life that got my literally grandma. all the answers? Like, my, my grandmother. Yeah. So. <laughs> All so, the answers, right? So I get it. So, I get like it. I was, I was struggling. Like I was going through a, a period where, like I, I was good at sports, 
I had good grades. I was I was part of all these organizations, but I couldn't. I just didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. Like it, it just. I, it, it's, it's, I just felt alone because I grew up in a neighborhood where everybody was poor. Nobody else had my same experiences, mm-hmm. right? So everybody was destitute poor. I grew up in a, I grew up poor in a destitute poor neighborhood, or I would say lower middle class in a, like people were destitute poor where I grew up. And so, it, it, you know, when she gave me that little nugget, she was like, "Look, man." If it can be solved with action, it's not a problem. What can you do? Mm-hmm. What did you do? And if you don't know, then now you know what you got to do. The action is to get education. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, if you, if you don't know, the action is to get education. And then if you if once you have education, now it's your job to act on the education. So that's why, you know, I always but change. I, but I, no, listen, listen I, I appreciate that. But the, one of the things that I recognize just from my day-to-day life is, Everybody don't have an education as it pertains. So finance is such a big part of everybody's life. It is. And sometimes we get caught in our bubble where the people that we talk to, because we have our group, every day we talk to some of the brightest folks, right? People that, you know, run algorithms, they're trading, they're investing, they're buying property, they're buying land. So these are the people that we associate ourselves with. But when you get out of that bubble, you realize that people really don't. I had a conversation this week with a medical professional I'm not going to say their name, but they're they're someone who runs their own practice, has a lot of money, and they had no clue about certain some very to me very simple things, um, which led me to a whole different down a whole different can of worms. And we'll talk about this in a future episode. But I looked it up. Did you realize that some of the um, it's a stereotype, but it's actually dated to prove that um, people in the medical profession, doctors, nurses at the highest level, they're the worst people with money. I, I can see why they would be the worst. People so, so it, there's actually studies of that, but but I had the, uh, the actual experience that made me look it up because you know everything always to me always comes back to data. <laughs> so I went and looked it up, and there's mm-hmm. actual um, there's written studies about medical professionals and their ability to handle finances. My point is, these are educated people. These are educated people. Dave Ramsey did a study of millionaires, right? In the top five professions of millionaires, I think number one was engineer. Um, what was number two? Number one was engineer. I know in the top five were engineer, teacher, lawyer, manager, and accountant. Accountant was number two. So it was engineer was number one. Accountant was number two. Teacher was number three. Number four was a manager, middle manager. And number five was an attorney. They were the top five professions of millionaires. And the craziest part about that is when they looked at the teachers, and again, this goes back to the whole behavioral thing. Teachers were so high, and they said the median salary of the teachers that became millionaires was like 61K. They never made 100K, and they still were able to become millionaires because they were the best at managing what they had, kind of because they had no choice to, but they figured it out. Um, That's another study, right? So um, there's a study, but there's other studies about doctors. So when I was looking at that one, I'm like, well, damn, doctors make all the money. They're not up here. And one of the things it says in there is that because they make all the money, they spend all the money. You know what I mean? When you got big bags coming to you every two weeks, every month, you're like, go buy it. You, and you know your skill is going to keep consistently bringing in yeah, that money. Yeah, like, You can be a seed. It's like I, athletes. But I bring that up, right? I bring that up because a, a lot of times it's not that they're not taking action. A lot of times they don't have the information. And sometimes these are folks that are educated. It's not that I'm talking about people that just have no education. Sometimes our highly educated folks, but they're, they specialize in something. Yeah, exactly. Right? So they don't have all the knowledge. But what I'm saying is I struggle at times because it's like, yo, 
to me, money is plentiful. And I know that sounds crazy, but you talk with this article that started this whole conversation to talk about the scarcity thing. To me, money is plentiful. I feel like there are days I go where I don't, you know, go out in the market and do anything. I'm just working on my real estate data all day long. But if I feel like waking up in the morning, I can get up in the morning and go get a bag whenever I feel it. I really feel that way. Um, but that's because we had years of practice. No, absolutely. I put, I've so, been in the gym. I get it. So the, 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 the thing for me, listening to this, right, is something I go back to Jalil Kenzie. He said when we interviewed him, and this is all the stuff, he said lifestyle design is more important than, than anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like lifestyle yeah. design is everything. Yeah. Like, what do you what do you desire? What is your lifestyle designed to do? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, over over, he said lifestyle d- design over designer lifestyle. Mm. Hey, shout to Jalil, that was far. He, yeah, but but in in and, 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 and the like, thing is, he's lived that because I've seen him own a bunch of stuff and sell it off to go into a whole other space where he's still successful. But he was like, "Yo, that just wasn't for me." Like. And, yeah, and, and meant he's it. like he does, it, and he says something about shiny object syndrome. Yeah, and, and 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 that was the thing with him. He was like, "Look, lifestyle design over designer lifestyle." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Damn, that's hard. That's hard body." Because that's again, that's about figuring out what works for you and also what makes you happy, right? That's why. That's why. That's why I never engage. I never engage in that debate because there's that constant debate. Like everybody got to buy a house, and like, people like you, and it's the math and all this. I'm like, yo. What makes someone happy? Some people are perfectly fine renting. I know the data says that if you own a home, you have a higher net worth. I get that. But what if I have no desire to own? Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to get caught up in the whole and this is and this and people get mad at me because I'm a licensed agent telling folks, like, yo, it may not be best for you. Whatever makes you happy. <laughs> exactly. Like that lifestyle design piece is uh interesting. So for everybody watching or listening. I want to know a couple of things. I want to know, is there anything that you struggle with mentally when it comes to personal finance? Right. For me, it's the, uh, for the, for the, for, well, first off, the article that led to this is that, um, that scarcity mentality, even after you've accomplished your goals, they've built a multi-million dollars in assets. They, they're living with most people never accomplished, but they still are struggling because they're dealing with that idea of scarcity. For me personally, it's, um, like, you know, a form of survivor's guilt, I would call it. I definitely do struggle with that. It's something I'm working on. I'm working on trying to get better at it. Um, yeah. I, I, but, figured, I found out a way to release that. So, so let me ask you, Corey, since, since we're being transparent with our audience, what is something you struggle with in personal finance? Um, I struggle with a lot of things in personal finance because I don't... You're the pinpoint. If you're I, the don't, pinpoint I, don't, I, don't, I don't respect money. I don't respect it. And so... Um, I'll probably never have as much as I should. Cause you, you figure you take too many risks. No, I just, it's a tool. No, I get right? that. So what I'm saying, when you say you don't respect it, I mean, do you, what I hear when you say that is you're willing to No, take it's not that I, no, it's not that risk. I, no, I don't take any unnecessary risk. I always, every risk I take is calculated out. Right. So it's not that I will take, uh, um, uncalculated risk or whatever, but, um, I just don't, have the same value system with money that most people have right i don't i care about it to the point where i want to be able to use it as a tool to help the people in my life do whatever they want to do right so i've started to respect money more that i've learned more about money um but for me always growing up i always had enough because whatever i wanted i went and got it you know what i mean like so i never respected 
money enough to 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 get enough of it to do the majorest of major things right like i i struggle with giving my money to banks i struggle with um i struggle with a lot of things that go on in our system because i know they exist like my mom was like i was an accountant so i <laughs> The reason why I don't trust banks is not because I don't know I didn't know anything about them, just because I knew too much about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so I, I struggled for a whole different reason than most people struggle. Um, and so my biggest struggles come with not respecting money at the, the highest levels enough, right? What I hear though, again. I'm building I'm building I'm building a a, a, a greater respect for the power. So what money. I hear for uh what I hear is you don't respect the system, not necessarily money, you don't respect the system of how things work in this country. So you just like you kind of like rebel against it. Yeah, like it's just like I, I feel like I used to have this uh I guess a moral system, right? And then I realized that morality is for poor people. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? And so listen. Morality is what you gotta explain that, bro. You can't just let that out there. Morality is <laughs> listen. <laughs> I'm about to explain it. Think about when you get a ticket, right? Yes, let's let's say you get a ticket for a hundred dollars and you make a thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. right? You drive a car, you get a hundred dollar ticket, right? You're you're probably not gonna do that again, right? Mm-hmm. But if you if you if you're a person who makes a million dollars and you're driving around and you get a hundred dollar ticket, what's the chances you're going to do it again? You're going to keep it very high. Right. So again, our, <laughs> when I say morality is for poor people, our country is set up to punish people who are poor. I'm not yeah. saying that. No, I got, I kind of had that same thought, but I never looked at it as being morality. I looked at it as I'm being just saying, because if you the way our country punishes with, with money, right. And in, in, in time, the two things that people with money have most of the time people with money have time right and so when our country punishes people our morality is really more based upon how much money you have than really actually what you did right as you notice the people who create more money and make more money get more leeway right they're they're able people's morality change right because we know people who have done absolutely heinous things that make great anything right anybody who has any kind of special talent is allowed to do all kinds of crazy stuff right we've mm-hmm. seen we've seen it right we've seen him with robert kelly right he was allowed to do what he was allowed to do for like 30 years yeah. because he had special talent right is 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 morality is really for for poor people right we watch the richest companies in our, in our country just absolutely manhandle people and get 100 million and 100 billion dollar fines Right, mm-hmm. we watch we watch Monsanto kill thousands of people, and we watch uh, they 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 killed killed the Indians on the reservations, uh, like five years ago when they was trying to do run the pipeline through. Right, so I get morality what you're is more based. Like what I'm saying is morality is really about money, right? M- morality is for poor people. So hold on, let me let me say something. I don't know if I agree with that. Like say said that way, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but I look always looked at it different. I looked at it as like. 
the country's not built for poor people. And I looked at it as being time. Like I got I got more the only time. time so, morals are brought up is when it's talking when you're talking is when you're talking about somebody who doesn't have you don't think it's possible to have morals. So you think there's no person that has resources that also has what I'm morals. saying is their morality. I think those people who are altruistic with a lot of money are that really altruistic people because they had they gotta get out of whatever they want, free pains. Because our the way of the way this country is set up, like the reason why Americans get in trouble when they go to other countries is because other countries have moral clauses that we don't have here. No, I, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. I'm just talking about the idea of morals, right? So that, that leads to a discussion of what morals are, because you know, and, and some will say that if you do have resources, you're hoarding resources. So just by that definition, you your moral morality right? is off by that. I'm like, not saying that personally. I'm not saying that either, but I get I get that I get that viewpoint. But what I'm saying is the, the what you're talking about. I guess I don't consider those things morals, right? It reminds me of that uh that, that Cameron verse where he'd be like, um, is, is killing legal or illegal? You say what? Is killing people legal or illegal? It depends. Are you killing for exactly? Your are you killing right. for your country? Or are you killing for your for yourself? Exactly, but that's what I'm saying. But the, but the people who got the money send those soldiers out the war to kill people, right? So so listen, I'm, what I'm saying is it's is that it's that camera verse. We say you parked in the throwaway zone. He'd be like, man, that car a throwaway home. It's like, listen, I got so many resources that I'll park here. Your, your morality doesn't affect me because I got so many resources. I don't care about that. Yeah. So so, but I get that. But I don't know if that's morality or it is. So what what you're talking about, what you're talking about are breaking rules, right? Certain rules. But I guess for me, I guess it depends upon how you define morals, right? Because people define morals different ways. Some things, some things people do, they say that's morally wrong. And I'm like, oh, it's not. So morals could be subjective, I guess. but But they get more subjective the more you got. <laughs> That's the point yeah. that I'm trying to make. It's more subjective. The, the rules get more stringent the less you have. So the definition of moral, just, just you know, so a lesson, especially one concerning what is right or prudent, that can be derived from a story, a piece of information, or an experience. Another definition is a person's standards of behavior or beliefs concerning what is not acceptable for them to do. So right. the, 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 the the Bible, the Quran, so, and all of those books are books about morals, right? Mm-hmm. And all of those books about morals, they outline what's wrong and what's right, right? By any of those books, whatever standard you you measure morality by, right? By by the law, whatever morality, like because we already know that sometimes what's in the law is not always what's right, what's yes. morally right. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is by whatever standard of morality. Killing people is wrong. Stealing is wrong, right? And you can't read a religious text that doesn't that does, except for when X person does it. It's wrong, except for when X person does it, or it's wrong, except for when it's wrong. Period. So this reminds me of the the the, the thing that I use when we teach when we teach our real estate valuation class. I always started off with a quote from Chris Rock, like in life there's math, but everything else is debatable. Right. Everything else so, so, so when you talk about that, is stealing wrong? Is this wrong? Like, if you're stealing, if you're, you're hungry and your family it, needs to eat, yeah. is it wrong to steal? Right? Well, that's why I said morals. I guess, I guess morals are subjective, and you're saying that morals are more subjective the more resources you have. Yes, <laughs> I'm. I am 100 saying that. I at this point, bro, I don't even remember how we got to this part of the conversation because <laughs> we were we were talking about uh 
you know, mentality. Well, things, you, things you struggle with, things you struggle yeah, with. Things I struggle with, right? And so, so what know, I was saying is, you don't believe in the actual system. You're saying the reason you don't believe in the system is because that you can operate different depending upon your resources. So you think the whole system stinks. I mean, you know, I don't believe anything about this system is built mm -hmm. for, for poor people or black people. So I don't, there's nothing in this system that is actually built for us. Yeah. We're, we're allowed to maneuver within whatever is built, but it's not built for us. Absolutely so I don't, true. About, I don't believe anything about this system is built for black people. And I got to so, show you this too, bro, because I've, I've been in the lab. You told me to do this, so I did it. So I've been in the lab. I, I, I got in the lab. And, and you read that you on a ride, bro. For those that are listening, I'm showing Corey that I, a book that he's been telling me to start for a long time, I finally got into it, which is Yorugu. Um, So I'm reading Yorugu now. I'm just letting you know I got into the book. So Yeah, man. It, it's, it's now, it'll, guide, it'll guide your life in a whole So I hear some of that. I hear some of what I'm reading in your thoughts. That's why. That's what made me think about that. Right? So yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Anyway, man, with that being said, though, um, it's been a great conversation. All our conversations are great, man. But I, so I was, we I was actually had a, a phone conversation on a pod. Yeah. How about that? So, <laughs> <laughs> so what I was asking is, what do you struggle with? Um, for everybody listening, financially. Yeah. And like, what, what I struggle, like I said, I, I struggle, I struggle to respect, I, res I struggle to respect money. Like, I yeah. just, the whole system, I, I struggle to respect it. Yeah. Right? I get it. And so that's why me personally is so you think it, because, because yeah so because of that it slows down your ability to build as big as you can build because you don't respect yeah, because system. I have the information and I have the resources because I have people around me that mm -hmm. would do things for me to help me build those resources at a much faster larger pace so I, I'm not struggling with information or resources um I'm struggling with the actual physical resources though because sometimes, like, I, I'm one of those people who I can work with people I don't like, but I don't choose to work with people I don't like. Like, uh, if I'm forced to do something um, that will help somebody else, I'll work with almost anybody. Right? So, like, if, it's, if, I'm, if I'm forced to do something that's going to help black people or help my family or help somebody that's not me, mm -hmm. I'll do it. But if it's just for me, I don't deal with nobody I like for anything just for me. Understood. So for our listeners out there, for our watchers out there, what are something that you struggle with um, when it comes to personal finance? And also, like, what do you think about the specific article that we shared? I'll put a link to the article um, within the actual uh, show notes as well as the description so you can take a look at the article. But what is something that you struggle with? And what do you think about that? Uh, them building up $4.3 million and still struggling? And also, what do you think about our conversation about morals? I'd be interested to get, get that feedback too. Um, <laughs> morals are for poor people. I just think saying that is funny. You know, I, I already know, I already know, I already know by Conti about to cut that into a clip because that's just funny to hear. I'm just like, more morals are for poor if people. If I'm lying, tell me, tell me how I'm lying. I, I respect that, bro. You know, I, I love getting show your perspective. me, show me where I'm lying. No, I love your perspective because you make me think about things, and that's something I'm going to sit and ponder about that idea because you, I think you're winning me on your side, but it, it just sounds so foul to say it that way. Sometimes it's, <laughs> but, but, it's, it's hard to digest that the way. The truth always don't wear a pretty skirt, bro. 
This is true. It's hard to digest just that saying, but I get what you're saying, though. Anyway, with that being said, everybody, listen, we appreciate your support as always. Make sure to give us feedback. Help us get our YouTube numbers up. We are trying to focus more on YouTube, but you see, I, them other sites, man, I, I'm falling out of love with social media in general. But again, we still going to put this content out there on YouTube. We love having these conversations. So we think YouTube is the platform that we're going to try to just, uh, eventually build and continue this dialogue with. But we appreciate all the support nonetheless. Shout out to the students from our camp. This week is the final week of uh, 2023's camp. And this has been one of my favorite. If you camps. want to support those students, uh, yeah. send, us, send us a, 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 a email. Or, or, yeah, send us something for them. You know what I mean? Like I said, one hundred percent of the proceeds go to students. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we don't keep none of that because that's not that's not what we in it for. Bro, uh, half the money we make it by the hell we give away. Folks only knew this. this we, 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 a way more than we, we a non-profit for profit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, shout out to everybody who chills with us on Friday. We go live on every Friday on our YouTube and Facebook page. And we give away stuff then too. We give away memberships to the NBC. We give away Bitcoin. We give away cash. We give away groceries. We give away. That's what we do. And we give art to our people, man. But we appreciate y'all. And that's our way of showing it. Um, leave us some feedback. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think about all of our conversations today. But as we always say, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates, and we'll see you guys in our next episode. Peace.